Okay, so the last two weeks we've been diving into uh, the Holy Spirit. Um, This is, for those who might be new today, um, we have been going through over the last, this was predates the pandemic and, and kind of has been rebooted now a couple of different times, a study through systematic theology combined with historical theology um, in key areas. And um, as a part of that, we've now moved into the area of systematic theology where we're looking at the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's work, kind of a to put this out there, throughout the systematic study, there are going to be numerous places where we talk about the Holy Spirit's work, but in this particular um, place, we're kind of taking some time to really just look into the, the Spirit's work. Um, in particular, we've been looking at Romans chapter 7 and 8. Last week, we made it down into verse 17 and we were kind of wrapping up 17 last week but that last part of verse 17 I want us to kind of look at as we look here so um, a couple of things that we looked at and I'm just going to kind of read these off quickly Um, if you have a pen or if you want to write it down and go back and look at these um, I would encourage you to do that. So we've been looking at kind of four areas in this in this run of text where um, we can see um, these things, these not attributes of the Spirit, but ways in which um, the Spirit can clearly be seen here and ways in which the Spirit often works in our lives. So um, in Romans 8, chapter or Romans chapter 8, verses 10 and 11, we can see the, the Holy Spirit empowering us. In verse 16 and 17 here, where we kind of wrapped up last week, we can see the Holy Spirit's work of revealing to us who we are as, as heirs of Christ, as well as unifying us together under this idea that we are heirs, like joint heirs with Christ. And now we're going to be looking at verse 18 this morning, um, or the latter part of 17 into 18, and then down through uh, the golden chain um, in the latter part of uh, Romans chapter 8. And when we look at that, the particular thing that I want us to see as we look at, at it this morning is the, the Holy Spirit's work of purifying us. So that's kind of the idea that we're going to be um, diving into this morning. Let me double check the time. We just got started, but okay. So we should we should have time. Uh, but I want us to look at this text. There's a couple of places here. So who's who's heard the the phrasing the golden chain before? Has has anybody? So a, a couple. Um, the the golden chain. Usually when we talk about the golden chain, we're talking about the verses like verse Romans eight verse twenty eight. Um, and down through kind of the, the end of that, that thought there. So I'm going to read that really quickly. Um, where in verse 28 we see, And we know that for those uh, who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose, for those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers, and those whom he predestined he also called, and those whom he called he also justified, and those whom he justified he also glorified. 
A couple of things that I want to point out in that passage of text there that are going to be important as we consider the Holy Spirit's work, particularly, particularly in us, working to purify us, is what is the purpose of this, of all of this that we see in verse 28 and 29. Um, I'm going to read it and I'm going to kind of point it out when we, when we get there. So 20, verse 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also, and there's a, oftentimes, and I've, I found in, in this area, particularly where we live, this idea of predestination oftentimes uh, frightens people. It should not, especially when we look at, at like what's, what's mentioned just after this. So uh, verse 29, there again, for those whom he foreknew, so he knew us, before creation, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Let's not just like say predestined, stop, and then marvel at what that must mean. But let's look the end to which this predestination is pointing. And that is ultimately you as a believer being conformed into the image of Christ. Right? He knew you. And he's predestined you to be conformed to the image of his son. Will he fail in this work? Christian, I want you to answer this question. You don't have to say it out loud, but I certainly want you to ask it internally because oftentimes internally is where you have that conversation with yourself about those areas which still remain. Right, those areas that you that you know need to be removed, those areas where sin may still have a stronghold, will God fail in removing those things? Because reality is you cannot be conformed to the image of Christ and those things remain. So will he fail in conforming you to the image of Christ? No. Can the God who's made these promises from before, who's seen them through to the point that we find ourselves here, the, the working out of, of this foreknowledge and predestining ultimately in His Son, right? So that even at the hands of sinners, His Son would be crucified, and yet still we could say that this was the work of God, right? Can that God who works all history to that moment and succeeds both in crucifying Christ on the cross so that your sins were placed on Him and He completely drank the cup of the wrath of God there to the point that He raises Him from the dead clearly showing who He was because dead men stay dead lest they proclaim that they are God and are in fact God. If he has not failed to there, and if you were to go back and you were to look at all the lives that he was working in and through all of history, the kingdoms that, that had risen along the way and fallen, right? All the way up to the point in time that we find Christ living, dying, and being raised again, if He worked in all of that 
and did not fail in bringing that moment to pass? Will He fail in conforming you as a Christian into the image of His Son? No. He cannot fail in that. That should be a great encouragement to you who struggle in sin today. That should be a great encouragement. He will not fail you. He will not leave you in it. And here's the, like, as we've been studying the last couple of um, weeks, looking at the power of the Holy Spirit coming down through chapter 7, the end of it, into chapter 8, what is the idea been? That if you were left to your own devices, if all you were given was the law of God and a direction to go, what would happen? You would fail miserably every time. If you were left on your own to do it. But the hope that we have as believers is that we have not simply been made like new, clean slates, go do your own thing, but that the power of God is at work within each and every one of us through the Holy Spirit so that we will overcome. That overcoming at times may look slow to you. It may look slow. I know for myself, oftentimes when I'm dealing with things that have been around for a while in my life, I'm like, Lord, I know. Like, I know without doubt that you can remove this. I know without doubt that if I continue on under my own power, that I will fail. Lord, please, you are my only hope. In you is the only place that I find hope for overcoming those things. And I trust because of this that He has promised to me the same promise maker that we see make promises from the beginning of Genesis up to Christ has made promises even to us today. And I know And I hope that you know without a doubt that He will uphold the word that He has spoken. And that He will conform you into the image of Christ. Now, in many ways this will come in this resurrection hope that we look forward to. But that is not precluding development in this life for you spiritually. You can grow in holiness now. Now here's, here's the thing. As we go back up now to verse 17. And we see Paul kind of making what appears to be this, this transition here into this text. I want to say this before we get into reading this. That there are times in your life where you will grow when everything is good. Right? There are. Like, if you, live, if you are in a moment now where you're like, life's pretty good to me right now. That doesn't mean that you can't grow spiritually. But the reality is, is that oftentimes, and I think this is why Paul makes this, kind of transition into what he says here, is that oftentimes as believers, and we know this to be true, I know this to be true, I don't want struggles to come for me tomorrow. 
But I've lived life long enough as a believer to look back on life and struggles and know where I've grown the most. And, and if I'm going to be real with you, the times that I often find myself making massive leaps forward in my, in my faith, in, in seeking after righteousness, it often does not come when life is easy. It often comes in the struggle. Okay? Now, I could, I could, I've got thoughts about why that is probably the case. Um, I, I, and, and I think most of us will probably agree that when life is easier on us, we tend to take the, the load ourselves, right? We tend in those moments to go back more towards, well, just give me a list of things to do. Life's good. I can do those things right now. And we tend in those moments to, to rest less in God's power to work in us than we do when life is collapsing around us, right? So oftentimes in this life, and if you're going through something now, like that's the, like a group the size that we have, it's quite possible that somebody's got issues, right? That maybe you didn't mention when we were taking up prayer requests, right? It's easy for us as believers in those moments to wish those moments away right it is and i get it if if i'm struggling i don't want to be struggling and if you're struggling i don't want you to be struggling but the reality is as we suffer the power of the spirit comes alive in us in such a way that it awakens us to the hope that we have that ease and comfort can never do so let's read this verse 17 there so back to we're, we're heirs of god right um, and if children then heirs of god and fellow heirs with christ provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him so there seems to be, Paul seems to be making this connection between our hope for glory in Christ and our suffering today. And, and I, I've, said this, I've said this in the past, this is not the first time that I've said this, but your best day here on earth, your very best day. I'm talking about you won the lottery Everyone in your family's healthy. You can buy and have and do anything. Your dreams have come true. That kind of best day will appear closer to what you would imagine hell to be compared to heaven. The best day that we can experience here is closer to the experiences of hell than it is to heaven mind-blowing, and yet we find ourselves oftentimes clinging and holding and fearing any amount of suffering that may come because we consider this life to be the best chance that we've got at happiness, right? Verse, nine, verse 18 here. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. Now, um, 
this this particular verse is super special to me personally. Um, as I spent years and years and years and years and years and years and years studying through the book of Romans, oftentimes I would come to this verse and I would take this verse and I would look at Paul's life and Paul's suffering um, because you can find that throughout scripture like Paul boasts in the suffering that he has for Christ. Um, and I would look at this and I would be like, Lord, I ha- like I can't wrap my mind around it. I can- like I like I believe it to be true, but I have no point of reference for it. Um, and it happens to be that I was studying this this very verse, and 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 I I had moments of guilt after after this as well for a, for a long time because in my own mind, in some ways, I thought that I'd prayed this into existence, but that is not what happened at all. So I was praying, Lord, I want to understand. This this verse and we lost we lost our second child like in the weeks that I was studying this right and for 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 not a short period of time I, I I wondered in the back of my mind like to what degree did my prayer for understanding lead to particular events in life now I don't believe that I prayed that event into occurring I believe instead that that event was coming And that God was working prior to those events. Prior to those events, like working all things together. Even in the worst of days for me. Right? I believe that to be true. So that Paul himself, you yourself, you may read this verse and you may say like, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. You may read that very verse and be like, I got no clue. Or you may read that verse and you may be thinking to yourself, there ain't no way. There ain't no way. There is no way that what I'm going through right now, if you were to, you would may think in your own mind, if I put one weight on one side of a scale and one weight on the other that the weight of my suffering is going to vastly outweigh the weight of that glory that is to be revealed and and I want you to understand that that is so far from the truth that if you were to place your weight the weight of your suffering on one side of that scale and then you were to you would need the Lord to drop the weight of that glory on the other side because you couldn't you couldn't carry it but when you did your your burden and your suffering as as horrible as horrific, as terrible, as weighty as it is, is so light in comparison to His glory that as His glory hit the other side of the scale, the scale would swing so heavy in the other direction that it would, f- it would fling your suffering as heavy as it is on you today so far from sight that it would not be remembered for the weight of the glory that was sitting on the other side of the scale. This is what Paul's saying. And, and and Paul is not a man who lived life and there was very little that he encountered, right? Again, go read the suffering that Paul encountered in the lead up to writing even the book of Romans here. And you'll understand that when he says something like, For I consider that what he's considering is a very a very weighty thing here. He's considering all the things that he's gone through, the beatings, the shipwrecks, the stonings, the um, 49, the 49, you know, less one. Um, like all of this, he's, he's 
considering. And he says it's not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. He goes on, verse 19, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from the bondage of corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know, verse 22 here, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. We don't have time to go into that this morning, unfortunately, but there's some really awesome stuff um, that can be found in those verses. But look at verse 23. And not only the creation, so not only is creation groaning, not only creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. So the Spirit of God works in us as we endure suffering on this side of eternity. He works in us in ways that enlighten our minds to the place and position of this world and all things in it and their relation to the world to come. And in so doing, works in us to draw us closer to God, closer to holiness, purifying us through this. Let's continue in 24. For in this we, for in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Verse 26. So all of this, be considering the work of the Spirit here. Verse 26. We see the Spirit here working again. Verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So since, the, since we've kind of rebooted this class, um, we've spent time talking about um, several topics, the resurrection being a major piece of that. Um, a couple of weeks back, we were talking about the office, <clears throat> excuse me, the offices of Christ. And one of those aspects there, Christ being priest, Christ praying for you, that you have someone who is praying for you constantly without ceasing he lifts you up before God even for things that you don't see even for areas of life that are still ahead of you that you don't know are coming you have a you have a priest in heaven who does who lifts you up before God for those things that you don't know are you're going to be facing tomorrow right so that when your when your trials come and you pray about them for the first time, the priest, our great high priest, has likely been praying for some time. And his prayer for you in them is not always that your burdens be light, but that you be purified, conformed into his image. Right? Now, I don't believe that he puts on us loads to crush us, but we would be foolish to think as we go our own ways without change that He would not allow things in life that crash us against the rocks so that we would cry out 
to the only one who could have ever saved us. So not only does Christ pray in the office of great high priest, but likewise here, verse 26, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit works as well. So as Christ is praying, office of high priest for you, the Holy Spirit within you is praying on your behalf. It says, but the Spirit Himself, Himself, I know I, I, I probably fail at this more than anybody else, like um, the almost like um, unpersonalizing of the Spirit, but the Spirit is um, Him here. Um, this is this, the Spirit is not inanimate. The Spirit is person, right? Um, so the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Verse twenty-seven. I want you to see this this chaining into what we refer to as the golden chain. And he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to what? The will of God. And now we'll find what that will of God is in 28 through the rest. So he's interceding for you in accordance with the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose, for those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also, past tense, glorified. God is working in you through the Holy Spirit to bring you in conformity with the image of Christ. And He will not fail in that work. If life is good for you right now, praise God on the mountaintops. Do not succumb to ease in such a way that you would forget your need for Him. I don't wish suffering on myself. I don't wish suffering on anyone here. But I wish that we understood the reality of our best day and how it will look compared to the worst days in heaven. Because the best days here are closer to what we would imagine hell to be than what heaven will be for us. And that glory revealed the moment of its revealing, there will be none of us who say, hey Lord, what about that time that you let this happen in my life? There will, there will be not one moment where you're like, it, Lord, but, but, but like, let, let's, let, let's look back over here at, at this event for a second. Because your gaze will be so fixed on that glory that it will consume your every thought. And the Holy Spirit, working through the teaching and preaching of His Word, brings us in our minds and the way that we think closer to that as we spend time 
in His Word, as we spend time in fellowship with one another, using our spiritual gifts, encouraging one another, and as we suffer. He does not leave that out. He uses that to bring about His will, which is our conformity to the image of Christ. He will not fail in that. Um, We finished a couple minutes early, even in spite of the bell. (laughs) 